is Straight to the Source, your destination for food, views and big ideas. Brought to you by two of the best in the business, Tonya Barr and Lucy Allon. Join them to discover some of Australia's most dynamic food, hospitality and agribusiness leaders. Hello and welcome to Food, Views and Big Ideas. I'm Tonya Barr. And I'm Lucy Allen. And this is the podcast from us here at Straight to the Source. In this podcast, we will be introducing you to the people who are driving our food and hospitality industry forward. Whether it be on the land, in the water, in the kitchen, or from the boardroom. Each of our guests are playing a significant role in the evolution of Australia's food identity and culture. And we want you to know who they are, their views, and their big ideas. We're coming to you today from Gadigal land, and we'd like to begin by paying our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Thank you for joining us. Today we're talking to Simon Marnie, but there's a bit of a a plot twist here because he's actually interviewing us. Lucy and I have many roles within the food industry and thought it would be a great way to kick off season two by sharing our experiences and stories with longtime friend, food lover, and media personality, Simon Marnie. Simon, thank you so much for being in the studio with us today. An absolute pleasure, especially since we go way back to your very early restaurant days, Lucy with Lulu, and then producer lunches at Bacass and watching both of you and your careers evolve. Yeah, well, they sure have, haven't they? I mean, we're talking a span of, what, 25 years, Lucy and I have been in the industry. And how about you, Simon? Uh, I've lived on the side of the industry for about 30 years, so been judging food and the like, and then also watching producers, very much similar to you guys. But how did you come from Portland, Oregon to Sydney, Australia? Well, I tell you, it wasn't a direct route. Um, for, for me, I grew up in a small town south of Portland um, called Roseburg. I um, actually started working in food when I was 15 and a half, working at a place called A&W. I was front of house and I was making root beer floats and, and serving the customers. And then one day the cook didn't show up and it was a female cook actually. And, um, so they, the owner came to me and said, Hey, is there any way you can just step in? And I'm like, okay. And, um, I remember walking back there, putting on an apron and going, holy shit, where <laughs> I wasn't sure uh, exactly what I was doing. And I didn't actually realize they fried the bacon in the fryer at the time. And I was blown away by that. But I just got on with it. And before I knew it, I was making mama, papa and baby burgers like nobody's business. Um, so uh, after after that, I remember the owner coming to me after the shift and, and actually sincerely thanking me, knowing I was not qualified to be in there, but he really didn't have any other choice. And, and I actually really enjoyed it. I've never had so much sweat dripping off my body before, but yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And then um, I stayed working with them till I turned 16 and then I got a job at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And although I'm not a huge advocate for fast food now, um, back in the day, it actually gave me amazing education with regards to ordering and 
serving customers and, you know, understanding uh, the supply chain and just giving me a good foundation for, for service and for food preparation. So um, I was the youngest appointed uh, uh, supervisor for Kentucky Fried Chicken, and there were two in my town. So I used to um, toggle between the two, which was kind of fun. And I, I was always drawn, though, to the back. It was one of those, it was during the time where it was all men in the kitchen cooking and the females were up front serving. And I um, always found myself migrating to the back and hanging out with the guys. And if somebody didn't show up, I always put my hand up to to make the original or barbecue or crispy chicken. Um, and I was, you know, I loved making the coleslaw and the mashed, instant mashed potatoes. And yeah, so, you know, sitting on the milk crate with the guys, having chats and, and talking about food. And, and, you know, it was always um, a really nice place to work. And when I left, um, when I graduated high school, I left my hometown. And that's when I went to California. And it was in California that I realized um, my quest or my my desire to be in food wasn't meant to be. And I, um, yeah, looked in the paper and I got a job at a software company, uh, entry level, mind you, and I worked my way up in that business. But then transition to the world of food, they're two very different areas. Yeah, I had a corner office. I was sales and marketing manager. So I worked my way up from receptionist to sales and marketing manager for a software company, which is kind of interesting in its own right. And then when I um, met this Aussie guy. and There's uh, always a guy involved. I know, right? That's, that's, yes. And um, after dating for quite a while, one of us had to move and I moved to Australia. But then you immersed yourself in the world of culinary learning. Well, I did. When I moved here, I got a job with a company in Newcastle, and they gave me a car, a phone, and a street directory and said, go for it. So I was going around to motorcycle shops. And in doing so, I was seeing, you know, the roadside eggs for sale. And I was looking at the market, looking at Australia, because I was a foodie. And I wanted to, it was a good way to learn my way around and drive on the left side as well. So, um, yeah, it was at that point, I was out at Richmond Motorcycles, actually. It was a, it was a, um, uh, software package for the motorcycle industry. And I came out, sat in my car with my eggs I had just picked up, and I thought, surely I can use my sales and marketing skills and apply it to the food industry, which I was so passionate about anyway. So, how did you then get into the food industry? So creating a company called the Condiment Connoisseur. So from from my business experience, it was about analyzing the market, looking at supply chains, and 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 creating from concept to consumer a product which I'd never done before. But I, I felt like I had the knowledge, but I just needed the opportunity to to understand the Australian marketplace. Mm-hmm. So the condiment connoisseur was born and basically originally to import products, but then also develop my own using all Australian ingredients. So ultimately, that's what happened. But still, you pursue the cooking passions. Absolutely. I mean, becoming a chef was one of the proudest moments of my life because I felt like um, it actually opened up a lot more doors, becoming qualified and doing my industry placement and having that manufacturing background, but going into it as an adult 
you know, after having experience in the food industry, I think just gave me so many more tools in my toolbox. And now being the group executive chef of the Orchard Early Learning Centers, which we have two right now, soon to be 12. So I, I get to write the menus. I get to source the suppliers and hire the teams. And then, you know, I come in and out for the educational piece and bring in the producers and talk to the parents. And so that's just another little side sandbox that really adds value. And then Straight to the Source came about. Yes. So the Condiment Connoisseur evolved, sold it, went to Colin Le Cordon Bleu, actually, which I'm very proud. I'm a very proud alumni of Le Cordon Bleu. And, um, yeah, so over the last 25 years, I've done, I've done quite a bit with regards to product development, supply chain, distribution, you know, using my culinary skills and my network and industry insights to help other producers create their own product and their own journey. And nowadays you will take chefs into the regions to show them the producers, but also you'll show producers where their much cared for product can go. Absolutely. And it does work both ways. I mean, producers want to know where their product's going and chefs want to know where their ingredients are coming from. So it's, it's very on point today, but you know, I've lived, eaten, breathed, um, you know, wanting to know where my ingredients are coming from since I started, you know, kind of thinking about it when I was eight. So, yeah, that led us to where we are today. And today you're in a partnership with Lucy Allen, who I first met when you were one of the young guns of the emerging culinary and restaurant scene. Yeah, we first met Bistro Lulu. So I was one half of the Lulu, <laughs> the other being Luke Bangan. And I guess Luke and I had started out as young, passionate hospitality professionals who absolutely loved what we do, what we did, what we still do, I guess, today. And we wanted to do it for ourselves. So we opened Salt Mm -hmm. and Fixed Bar in Darlinghurst as part of the Kirkton Hotel in 1999. So that was um, Luke and I's first sort of foray into our own restaurant, like our money on the line the buck stopped with us. Like that was a really amazing experience to open a restaurant of the caliber that Salt was. And that was because of the team that we had behind us 100%. But we, I mean, we all worked really, really hard as well. It was the result of a lot of hard work and a lot of passion and commitment to making it a success. But yes, Salt was an incredible restaurant that um, we won lots of awards in the first few years. And that juggernaut of success was very intoxicating, but it was also an unwieldy beast to manage. (laughs) Um, The success of that led to the opportunity to open Bistro Lulu in Paddington and do something different, a neighborhood eatery. You know, Fix and Salt were very high-end. It was an experienced restaurant and bar, Uh, whereas Lulu was a neighborhood eatery where we could enjoy the company of our regular customers and just do something still really excellent, but um, not so fine dining and, and, you know, not with all the frills. We also then opened Moorish down in North Bondi. We actually built that venue. It, it was the car park of the North Bondi RSL. So that was quite a journey going through council planning and dealing with, you know, residents and trying to. At this to, stage, Bondi was not the eating hub it is today. No. And so to be able to open a restaurant on such an iconic beach with the most incredible view. And obviously we looked up towards the icebergs, which at that point wasn't the icebergs restaurant that we all know now. So we had this growing, incredible team of people growing with us in the business. 
but it became a really big business. It became, well, not too big, but it, it, for me, it took me away from what I loved doing in hospitality, which was being on the floor, writing the wine lists, engaging with the customers. And as the business grew, I, I, I guess I had to move into more of an operational role. And it was great to be able to employ a team of people that were young professionals and, you know, help them learn those skills and develop that team. But it, it wasn't what I wanted out of the job and the business. So the opportunity to grow was absolutely there. And we had consultancy opportunities and we were doing lots of, you know, talking to people about what different uh, businesses or collaborations could look like. And then just at the point of all of that, my first child was born very prematurely wow. at 26 weeks. So I just had to put the brakes on and go, okay, what does life look like for me? And what do I need right at this point in time? I need to look after my newborn baby who's in intensive care in hospital. And at the start, we didn't know if she would make it through those first few days and weeks. And then that gave me time for reflection to realize that it was a very exciting sort of juggernaut to be on, but it wasn't what set my world alight in the world of hospitality. And what I loved was talking to the customers, being on the floor, that giving that sense of hospitality, working um, with wineries and winemakers to write the wine list. I loved training staff, but I, I wanted to be more engaged with the customer. So I took a step back. And at that point, we had just opened up, um, not open, we had just launched Appetite for Excellence, which launched as Lexus Young Chef. And that gave me a project to really immerse myself in while Isabel was in hospital. The staff, the, the, the nurses said to me, do not sit by her humidity crib day in, day out. You need something to focus on. So I threw myself into Lexus Young Chef, which became Appetite for Excellence. And that was an incredible opportunity at a great point in time to just really build something I truly believed in, which was giving young talent in the industry the opportunity to be mentored, to open doors for them, to give them opportunities that ultimately they probably would have got, but it would have taken longer for them to get there. And the idea behind it was to show young people in the industry that there are so many opportunities out there and it's a very dynamic, fast-moving industry, but you have to work hard. You have to, you know, be ready to really um, do the hard yards, do the hard yards. Yeah. And it will pay off, but it won't pay off overnight. You know, like I think some TV shows were alluding to. Yes. Um, and it was hard for young kids that were doing their apprenticeship. You know, they're doing four years of hard yakka in the back of the kitchen wondering, you know, when are they going to get that break? When are they going to have that opportunity to be a head chef, lead their own business? But what Luke and I were trying to build the foundation of for them all was that those opportunities will come if you've got a really solid foundation and you get a solid foundation by doing the hard yards, by, you know, going and getting the right experience overseas, by and working with... you can't with, fast track it. You can't. And obviously, you've got to keep your, your eyes and ears attuned for opportunity because opportunity is there every single day, but it's not just going to happen overnight. And by building that foundation, you build a really solid future for yourself and, and the opportunity for that to be a success. But it also seems, Antonio, I go to you, that both of you have taken a seed of an idea and grown it and seen it through and then had the opportunity to pass it on to someone else and try something new. That's pretty good thing to be able to do. It's it's really interesting because Lucy and I, we do have a lot of parallels in our life, you know, and, and exactly what you just said, Simon, is starting the condiment connoisseur in a new country without a network was pretty daunting. And to see it go, you know, and grow and, and become this entity that became bigger than me and I was able to sell it 
was amazing, but it did give me some insight to, and, you know, to think about things differently. And, and I too had a medical, I was 32 when I got diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I actually was in the height of the condiment connoisseur. You know, I was at fine food and I was, you know, down on David Jones Market Street with Lynn Tetzel and Cindy Lucan and we were doing our thing. And I really felt like, um, you know, I had, I had, been accepted into this food industry and then, um, having a medical situation like that and having to sell my business, it, it definitely made me look at it differently. And so when I slowly got back, in fact, it was a chef that was at my house. I took five years off yep. and I was told I wouldn't have another child. And I had another child <laughs> and I had a chef friend at my house. Um, it was Victor Pasapia actually. And he was, he was over there for lunch and he said, when are you going to get back out there? You know, you do have something to give to the food industry. And I was quite, um, I was quite, uh, I didn't have the confidence and I wasn't sure exactly what I would do, but I knew I was never going to take, I was never going to have stock again right. or inventory. So yeah, I started doing like teaching through, uh, corporate chefing and that sort of thing. And then I decided to take myself off to culinary school get my qualifications. And although I was working in that space with chefs and they're like, you know, you're a great cook, you're doing a great job, but I just felt like I needed that something. So that's what I did. And so then the Young Chef Award, there are some names now that were spotted then and talent that was developed that people might not realize it was the Lexus Young Chef that created that. Yeah, absolutely. We've had some incredible talent come through that program. Um, put me on spot now trying to think of some names, but <laughs> Jake Nicholson, Ben Devlin, uh, Troy Rhodes-Brown, James Viles, Josh Nyland, Alana Sapwell, Luke Piccolo down in the Riverina, Young Restaurateur. Mighty Griffith. Yep. Yeah, yeah, doing amazing things down there. I mean, they're all doing amazing things. I mean, so many names, I can't, you know, list them all right now, but it really attracted the best of the best and it and it and as i said previously they would have been successes in their own rights without the program but i think the program provided a community for them to be a part of and gain confidence i mm-hmm. think you know confidence is a big part of it you you do question yourself a lot and mm. you you do need that external confirmation that you're on the right track or someone to bounce ideas off. So I think, you know, having access to mentors that were the best in the industry, like Peter Gilmore, Martin Ben, some of our incredible judges that were very generous with their time to support that program. It was interesting when I was developing the seafood sauces and the condiment connoisseur, a friend of a friend gave me a name of a lady and I called her and she was so helpful. And when I hung up, my mother-in-law said, oh, who who are you talking to? And I said, oh, Charmaine Solomon. Do you know her? (laughs) She's like, you're kidding me. But she actually shared her time with me and and kind of got me on the right path for a contract manufacturer. And I'll never forget that. Yeah. And it's that giving back. And I think the other thing that Luke and I used to really reinforce to anyone that came through that program, whether they were just an applicant or a finalist or a winner, was that the purpose of that program was to develop the leaders, the next generation leaders of the industry and what they were gaining from the program at that point in time. We wanted them to understand that then giving back when they were at the next level of their career, giving back to the next generation was the legacy that would keep the program moving forward. So it was very much about, I guess, just nurturing 
people's understanding of their role within the industry. Yes, you've got your own business, you've got your own career pathway, but you're part of a bigger industry. That, it's like an obligation. Yeah, we're just giving back, you know, mm-hmm. and, and providing that support to, to, as, you know, Charmaine did to you, giving confidence and, and helping the people behind you that are going to be the next leaders. But also both those ventures and then what would come, it's no surprise now that you're dealing with well handled produced produce because Mm -hmm. it was very organic. You then grew recognizing more than just chefs and the Young Chef Award expanded. Yes. So that was – Tonya's heard this so many times from me, but (laughs) obviously – I never tire of it. (laughs) Go, Lucy. My absolute bee in my bonnet about the industry is front of house gaining the recognition that it deserves. Yeah. Understanding that, of course, you know, chefs are the celebrities and they're the creative entity behind what's on the menu, but businesses take a team of people to make them successful. And the front of house is the person that connects the dots between the kitchen and the customer. And it's a role that is so undervalued and still so overlooked. So you um, then recognized sommeliers and Yes. So we introduced waiters. the Young Waiter Award, exactly right, to really draw attention to the importance of that role and then Young Restaurateurs. And I guess recognizing the creativity and breadth of thinking in, in a different way. You're not, yes, you're a chef. Yes, you're front of house. But to be a restaurateur, you have to also have these other skills. You have to bring together the business element of it. You have to be the face of that business. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I guess it's taking your skills as a a cook and a a waiter or waitress or front of house and then taking that into a business realm, which is a whole different leap again, I guess. Hmm. This is a unique version of Straight to the Source where they are being interviewed, Lucy Allen, Tonya Barr, Tonya, you have moved into now the culinary side. You've taught yourself to cook. Mm-hmm. You are, again, looking for new pastures. I was running market tours, farmer's market tours. I've been doing them for 17 years. Mm -hmm. Started out at Fox Studios, actually, and I got approached to do, to do a market tour there. And, um, and because that's how I feed my family. That's how I shop for my family. And that's the way I always have. And so that's where I started doing market tours. And then at Piermont Growers Market, I started running them there too for Fairfax and then essential ingredient teaching their cooking classes. So, it was after that I decided with straight to the source. I started food consulting 19 years ago, just on the side to help other um, producers create their own products and navigate that minefield when it comes to, you know, shelf stability, labeling, packaging, contract manufacturing. So I was doing that on the side. And then I thought from a food tour perspective that there should be an opportunity for everybody and have it very inclusive for other chefs to be able to go and see where their ingredients are coming from and equally let the producers see where their products are going. So that's how Straight to the Source came to be. And it actually was a tagline of my Tonya Bar Food Consulting. It was taking you straight to the source. But what I wanted to do was create an entity that wasn't, it wasn't about me and my name. It was about the producer and it was about the industry professional that was hungry for knowledge. And so that's how Straight to the Source came to be 11 years ago. 
but meantime, in a parallel universe, Lucy was, appetite for yeah. excellence has grown and you've yep. found new pastures, no pun intended, <laughs> where you actually meet the growers. Yes. Yeah. So um, there was two elements to that. So as part of Appetite for Excellence, as part of the prize for our finalists, we took them on a produce tour. And that was a really important part of the program because it was not just a chance for them to come together as a group because um, they were from all over Australia. So otherwise they wouldn't meet each other. So peer to peer, come together and go out and meet producers in a certain region and understand and learn about that region, you know, what what was unique to it, what grew there, the, the pattern of the seasonality. And so that produce tour became a really, really integral part of the program in terms of educating those young professionals and joining the dots between what would land on their kitchen door in a, mm-hmm. you know, styrofoam esky, the wine that the, the sommeliers were pouring, just educating them in that space. And what I saw was incredible. You just saw this light in their eyes. It was like the penny dropped and it, it linked all the dots of why they were doing what they did. Yeah. You know, they absolutely love handling the produce in their kitchens or, you know, the wine that they're pouring at the table, but to then understand the story behind it, meet the people that were creating that product, understanding the challenges they were faced by, understanding how to communicate that to the diner. And that's where the front of house role is so integral as well. So we started those tours very early on in Appetite for Excellence. I think our first one was in 2006. And it was an incredible experience for everyone involved. And so that grew from there. I guess that's where our connection sort of is that where and you met? It, it wasn't well, where we met, no. But I guess but I, the validation of what Lucy just said, the first tour that, that we did to Darling Mills Farm, we had 18 chefs with every nationality you can imagine, and they were all invited to go. And they were at all different levels, from second-year apprentice up to 40 years, you know, exec chefs. And it was the feedback that they were obliged to give in order to see if straight to the source could have legs, you mm-hmm. know? And um, a lot of people said, oh, nobody's going to go. Nobody's going to spend their day off. Nobody's going to pay, you know? And so we took them out there, got all their feedback. And I'm not kidding to see these guys all, they didn't know what they were. They knew they were going to a farm, but they didn't know what they were going to experience. And I had all these ingredients from farmer's markets, from producers they didn't even know existed. And they got to play in the kitchen together. So you had a Japanese chef, an Indian chef, an English chef, they created their own lunch and the camaraderie and not, a lot of them had never even met each other. That's when I knew that we were onto something, you know, that it, it just was meaningful. And it's not dissimilar what Lucy was just saying with Appetites for Excellence, you know, that camaraderie and for the, for everyone to get to meet each other. And get to know each other and build that community and that connection. Mm. And yeah. then I guess from there, the next step for me was, um, I was offered the opportunity to take over the project management role of the Delicious Produce Awards. And that was a really beautiful thing because we actually held the launch party for Delicious Magazine at Bistro Lulu when it launched. It's 21 years old this November. So that was a really nice kind of connection Mm. back to, um, back to, you know, this restaurateur world that I was also living in, but to take over the role of the produce awards and the the brief to me was they wanted the whole of Australia to know about the produce awards and they wanted as many um, producers as possible to get involved in it so just to to take over that 
project and then grow it from there was a really exciting opportunity to then, I guess, extend what we'd experienced on the produce tours and meeting those producers to then being able to really put the spotlight on producers. It is interesting, though, how Lucy and I, the whole, like, there is these parallels that kind of, yeah. and then then our paths just yeah. cross. they're about to cross. <laughs> they, they are about to cross. But also, and I want to hark back to the times watching chefs get inspired by the ingredients they're yeah. seeing to yeah. you. Uh, only shopping at farmers markets to create, it's a different way of creating a meal in that you don't have a list and go to a supermarket and buy what's on the list. You walk into a place with an open mind and that will then create the dish that night, that week. Totally. You're inspired by the seasons, the ebb and flow, what's going on at the market. Um, absolutely. I mean, and- even when we go into regions, we look at them almost like a farmer's market as well. You know, what's, what's, um, what's plentiful, what's yeah. bountiful, and what's also a bit unique that is underutilized. And that's a beautiful way to cook. But I think also by, by opening up these conversations, it's also producers understanding the food service industry also needs, um, consistency and it needs, yeah. you know, yeah. a price point that the consumer will bear. And there's all these, you know, different Variables. parts of it that have to be considered. And so I guess it is, it's just opening up those, those conversations between the producer and the chef so that they can each understand their challenges and they can each work together to try and solve them. And they can also understand the value proposition, yeah. Yeah. which is really important. So this is a conversation straight to the source. I'm Simon Marnie on the asking questions now with Lucy Allen and Tonya Barr. So. You've got these produce tours, you're taking the chefs on and celebrating producers. You then, with Delicious Magazine, meeting these producers. You're doing a very similar thing. Why did you not just decide to compete with each other and put the other one out of business? (laughs) (laughs) I think that was ever a consideration. consideration. (laughs) We have too much respect for each other. And the way that we met. You'd seen each other doing what you were doing? Well, weirdly, when I had my condiment business, I knew Luke because he he had sausages and I had mustards. And so we used to be at Piermont Growers Market together doing these tastings and also up at the cheese shop and Neutral Bay and that sort of thing. And so I went to Salt when it launched. Mm. And I, and, and I, Lucy and I, we did meet all those years ago, but we hadn't really connected. And then, oh gosh, I was doing, we were both doing our masters of gastronomic tourism through, uh, Southern Cross University and Le Cordon Bleu. Le Cordon Bleu. And we became study buddies online. And Lucy had a different last name. Um, you had your married name, McDonald. Yeah, I was registered under Lucy McDonald. So. so I didn't even twig, right? And we're just on there. We're asking the same sort of questions. We're sharing papers. We're we're just clicking. And I'm just like, oh. So then we thought, well, maybe we should have lunch together. Because then we realized, we didn't realize for ages we were both in Sydney. And then we went to Jared Ingersoll's place, didn't we? Yeah. We had lunch and... um and it was just brilliant. And straight to the source was about a year old. So I was just kind of finding, finding my feet with that. And then we went and had lunch again. And I knew, and Lucy did too, that we were on the same path and that our univ- that we were stronger together and that we yeah. really complemented each other's skill sets. But you could have been competitors. Uh, I think we both recognized that we had this common passion. We just wanted to give 
our industry and our industry colleagues the tools to be more connected to their food source. Mm-hmm. And by the fact that Tonya has a chef and food production background and I had a front of house and hospitality background, we actually had very complementary skills to bring together and create experiences where the people that came with us to meet producers were being looked after. You know, mm-hmm. often chefs and hospitality professionals will upskill themselves on their days off. So they're working five days a week and they're doing this on their days off. And yes, it's, it's, it's enjoyable, but it is also, you know, you're still immersed in your work world. You're not having a day off. So we would look after them. Our, our whole thing was that they would, from the point of pickup to the point of drop off, they did not need to think about a thing. They just needed to sit back, enjoy, immerse themselves in it and just be in the moment. I'll never forget. We came back from a three day trip to the Air Peninsula and an executive chef, very experienced executive chef looked at Lucy and I and went, Oh my God, I have to think again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says, I've just learned so much and I haven't had to make any decisions. And you guys understand this industry and understand the way we think. And that was amazing. And that just elevated yeah. us. We thought, man, we're on the right track. And it was applying the principles of hospitality to what we were doing exactly. to elevate you know, that experience for the people enjoying it. So I don't think it was ever a question of, of competing with each other. As Tonya said, we were stronger together and we brought complementary skills to the table. And that gave us an opportunity, I guess, to, to just broaden the people we could reach and connect with and, um, educate and give the chance to upskill to. And, and also making a difference, but doing it together. It's a lot more fun too. Now straight to the source. It's about one year old. Lucy comes on board. Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <to say>, not <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy comes on board. Yeah. What changed with, with the dynamic? Where, where did, how did it evolve oh. from that point? So much changed. I mean, anybody that knows us knows that our personalities, we, we're, um, we have a lot of common traits and personality, but then we also have very different personalities. And Lucy having very analytical business mind. I'm the sense checker. I'm yeah. the one that goes, okay, let's just slow down a second and, and just and think I'm this like through. And I'm like a freight train that goes, oh, right. we could do this and we can do that. And let's, and we want to help everybody and let's just, you know, do it. But, um, together we complement each other where we pull each other into check. And, and at the end of the day, we are running a business and it is quite a unique business. We do get people that say, we don't know what you guys do, mm. but we know what we do and we see the results of it through the producers that we help and the chefs that, that we've connected. Yeah. We are a very unique business. It's taken a long time, I think, for us to communicate to people exactly what it is that we do. But yeah. the people that have been immersed <laughs> in it yeah. are with us because they get it and they have benefited from it and they want to be more, they want to be more, you know, involved in that. And so if a lot of people ask, what is it that you do? And you're just getting that recognition now. What is it that you do? We connect the dots between producers and industry and industry and producers, and we stimulate the conversations that chefs and food service professionals need to have to understand where the food that they source, prep, cook and serve comes from. And we help producers tell the story 
of what they do on farm and how they get that product to the market. Mm. And we open doors for producers. Mm-hmm. And we also, we get often told by chefs, we're the secret weapon. You know, they call us and that we're better than Google because they call us and they say, okay, we're looking for XYZ kind of product and we want to have the edge on our menu and we want to be ahead of the curve. What are you guys seeing out there? So for us, it's a matter of trying to funnel that into you know, an easier way to access. And that's where our directory came from. What would be an example from the beginning to today of a producer that you have worked with? We took an incredible young chef, Nick Hill, from Porcine Bistro, and one of Australia's leading drinks writers and experts, Mike Benny from PMV Wine and Liquor Merchants. And we took them on a road trip to discover producers in New South Wales and help them tell the story of those producers when we were back in their kitchen and and liquor merchants to draw that passion and commitment of the people that they met and what they learned on farm into a dish and a drink. So we visited this incredible free-range pork farm down in Goulburn, Dewsbury's um, free-range pork farm, and they are preserving heritage pig breeds, Jurok and Hampshire, which not a lot of chefs are familiar with. Everyone's familiar with Berkshire, yeah. mm-hmm. but not so familiar with Jurok and Hampshire. Thank you for saying Berkshire, by the way. <laughs> I'm English. <laughs> so we learned so much from them. We learned about their regenerative farming practices and what they're doing to preserve these heritage pig breeds. We then traveled down to the Riverina and we met with um, the team at Voyager Craft Malt who are creating single origin artisan malts for brewers and distillers to use so that they can tell the story of the land and their grain from the Riverina. We met one of the grain growers, um, organically grown. So we just, we, we, we took that story literally from the paddock back to the restaurant into the glass and onto the plate. And that I think is the other side of what we do is joining those dots, telling the stories. So we created a short film out of it. That it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. People can watch. And, and that's our way of, of, telling these producers stories and getting people to understand that what happens on the plate and in the glass starts in the soil and it mm-hmm. starts back on the farm. And it starts with the passion and commitment of people like Stu and Brad behind Voyager Craft Malt and Ebony and Eli behind Dewsbury's Free Range Farm and what they're doing on their land to produce top quality products, but do it in a way that's mindful of the environment and sustainability and, and taking all of those elements to, to put these top quality ingredients into our hands. And understanding that is an incredible mm. aspect to and what we do. And that's our job, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Another example would be the Chef Box program. Lucy and I launched this program last year as yet another way to open doors for producers. It's also, you know, an opportunity for chefs to try out new and innovative ingredients and to help, you know, drive culinary creativity. We're turning the tables in straight to the source. I'm asking the (laughs) questions instead of the other way around with both Tonya Barr and Lucy Allen. So you've mentioned it a few times, the directory. What is the directory? So the directory was born out of COVID and um, it's basically... A, a, a community. It's a community of like-minded producers that we're harnessing and it's growing. It's an opportunity for chefs or foodies or anyone to hop on and search and find producers that we work with. And it's also an opportunity for these producers to search and find each other 
And so our Straight to the Source, I mean, we've been running these tours all over the country. And it just, when we couldn't travel, we saw it as a great resource for for everyone within the food supply chain. And so we're, we're continuing to nurture it and grow it and, and offer different services at different tiers now. And so when I come back to do this revisited in 10 years time, what will have happened to straight to the source in that time? What's the future for it? We're going to have an amazing team of people working with us. And we're going to be helping more and more producers and food service industries really truly understand the story behind our food system and how as industry professionals you can support it and how as producers you can tap into it and get your products into the hands and on the plates and in the glasses of the restaurants and venues and places you want to be. When we think back, um, and we often talk about this on a Friday, we reflect on the week that was and we go, what wins, what happened? And whether they're holistic or they're tangible, what connections were made? What did we contribute to the food industry? Yeah. And every Friday there's there, you know, there's always something. And so our legacy for the last year is when, last year, when we look back, when we see chefs and they go, you know, I was in a really dark place and I went on that tour and I came back and I felt re-energized or, you know, I made that connection with that oyster grower. I never used those oysters before, but now he's one of my best suppliers. And I went to his daughter's, you know, birthday party. Yeah, you he's know? a friend of mine now. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, in 10 years time, it would be beautiful if that again was just amplified and we're doing more of the same of what we're doing, but maybe with a bigger team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> so just describe the team and the size of Straight to the Source now. Wow. At the moment, we've got a team of amazing people working with us. Very diverse. Um, from northern New South Wales, um, we have Amy Colley, who's, uh, who we met doing our Masters of yep. Gastronomic Tourism, and her expertise and speciality is agritourism. We have Josette Frost down in, in Melbourne, Melbourne yeah. um, who's worked in the food industry for many years in different roles and is an amazing support to us. And then we've got Elena Dugan. Who's yep. Master Chef winner in 2016, and she's been an incredible addition to our team. Um, Diana Williams. Diana, we've known for many years, but we brought her on board to work on a fantastic project down in the Riverina, and she's done an amazing job down there. That's just about to wrap up, so we're about to so that, see what the next uh, stage is. That for. was a hospitality consulting project we worked on in terms of um, front of house and back of house. Mm -hmm. So it was actually great because I'd work with the chef on, on, on menus and inspiration and Lucy was working with the on the business side and front of house and went down and trained. And So no you know? two jobs are the same. Oh, no. never, never, never. That's why this is such a, you know, like <laughs> never one day is never the same to the other. It's just no. always ever evolving which is really exciting. I mean, if you had said to me as an 18-year-old going to university thinking, you know, I was going to have a traditional career after university that I would be doing what I'm doing now, that I would have, you know, moved to Australia, I would have opened three award-winning restaurants, I would have delivered a um, dinner at the James Beard house in New York, that I would have started Appetite for Excellence, done mm -hmm. the Delicious Produce Awards, done Straight to the Source with you. I mean, I would have just thought, there's no way. That's crazy town. And, and I wake up feeling the same way when I think I had an office in San Francisco and I was traveling for work. And to think that I would, 
you know, fast forward and be in Australia, be in the food industry, doing, doing something that I absolutely love, that I was destined to be surrounded by food and destined to be cooking. Um, I would have just said, no way, Jose. Every time I get a meat pie, I go straight to the sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Simon. Thank you so much, Simon. It's been really fantastic to chat to you. And if there's anyone you'd like to hear on food views and big ideas, please drop us a line. Or if you'd like to get in touch, if you're interested in finding out how we at Straight to the Source might be able to help you, please um, reach out. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We really hope you enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed the conversation. You'll find links to anything mentioned in today's chat in the show notes. We have some more extraordinary guests lined up and we would love you to join us again. So please make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss future episodes. We'd also love to hear any of your feedback, good or bad, or perhaps you've got a guest you'd love to hear from. You can let us know. And the best way to stay up to date with what we're doing, who we're talking to and where you'll find us around the country is to become part of the Straight to the Source community at straighttothesource.com.au forward slash community. Until next time.